Everybody knows what day it is, right? It's National Ketchup on Cheese Day week, day, right? How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all realize that? I didn't either because I just made it up. Anyway, it's Valentine's Day. See, I wasn't expecting him to make the announcements, and I was going to make the announcements. I had to change one of the uh, words on here when it talks about the Thursday, February 29th, Saturday, March, the, the uh, retreat, marriage retreat. I changed that because retreat has a negative sound to it. At least it does to me. You know, marriage, retreat, you know. Uh, I didn't, anyway, we need, to, we need to be teaching that to the, uh, those young people who are still single. Anyway, I put it to seminar, so just so you all know. It just sounds better to me. Okay, today is, I did a little bit of research on Valentine's Day, and it's kind of funny because the, the person or people to whom it's named after had very little of anything to do with love and romance. That's, that's a fact. Unless you call getting your head chopped off being romantic, you know, it's all, there's two or three of them, that's what happened to them. So I don't know, it's still, still a mystery as to exactly how it all came about with the hearts and the, and the uh, Cupid and all that. He's part of the of, uh, Roman theology or mythology, whatever it is. So uh, anyway, uh, I don't know how, just like anything else, any other holiday or special day we have, it gets commercialized out of existence, you know, from what it originally was. So, but what are we going to do? I mean, I'm glad, that, I'm glad that they have set aside a day to honor love. I mean, I really am. I'm being serious. I really appreciate that. So, I'm going to have a little bit of audience participation tonight, okay? I see there's a lot of couples out here. Now, this, some of you can't participate in this, but those of you, if you're here with your your honey bun or your sugar pie, whoever it is you, that you're sitting by, I need you to participate with me, okay? So here's what we're going to do. If you're sitting with your sweetheart, your, your husband, your wife, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to ask my wife to come up here. I'm not going to embarrass her. I'm going to come down there, okay? So here's what we do. Come on up here, right here. Right here. Okay. Audience participation. Guys, here's what you have to do. You have to take your wife by the hand. Come on. Come here. Take her by the hand. Everybody, you can put your arm around her. Take her by the hand, okay? Now, I want you to, in just a few minutes, I want you to look her square in the face, and here's what you're going to say. When I, you're going to say, honey, I love you. Emphasize the I. When I count to three, everybody do that. Ready? One, two, three. Honey, I love you. Love you, too. Oh, well, that's good. Now, you're about one-third one -third of the way through. It, hold on. Don't let go. I want you to still hold on to your wife's hand. This time you're going to look her in the face and you're going to say, Honey, I love you. Emphasize the love. Okay? Ready? One, two, three. Honey, I love you. Okay? One more time. Yeah, one more. I'm not angry. No, I'm just <laughs> a little nervous, but I'm not angry anyway. Last night, now you know what's going to happen this time. You're going to say, honey, I love you. Emphasize the you. Ready? One, two, three. Honey, I love you. All right. Now, ladies, it's your turn, okay? All right. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to hold on to your husband's hand, and, and you're going to say, honey, 
if you love me, you'll buy me a new dress. <laughs> no, you're not, that's not really what you're going to say, okay? I'm serious. Y'all just going <laughs> to, that would be bribery, you know. Anyway, the same thing. The count of three, honey, I love you, all right? Here we go. One, two, three. Honey, I love you. All right, that's kind of good. Music to our ears, right, yeah? Second time, ready? One, two, three. Honey, I love you. <laughs> All right. Very good. Getting a little hot here. Okay. Last time, all right? You know what to do, honey. I love you, all right? Emphasize you. One, two, three. All right, very good. Keep yourself in hand. All right, thank you, baby. Thank you. All right. <laughs> thank you. That's, that's probably the first time in a long time any of you ladies have heard your husband say, I love you. All right. So we might ask, where did love come from? You hear a lot about it, a lot of movies, songs, poems, you know, you name it. It's all about love. Where did it come from? Well, did it come from evolutionary process? That's nonsense. Psalms 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Does it come from books? Not hardly. But it does come from this book, okay? From the Bible. We learn in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10 that Love is of God, and God is love. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9, it says that we're taught of God about love. We're taught of God to love. So in order to have this love that God has for us, we need to be in his word. Did God create love? Well, I would say yes, but that would, to me that would be a false statement. Why? Because God is eternal. So therefore, his love is eternal. It's not something that he created. It always has been. As long as God has been here, there has been love. Now, it's an attribute of God. I believe it to be the highest, most important of his characteristics. All of his other characteristics are governed by his love, even, even his judgment of hatred and sin. It's all governed by love. Love must have an object. So if God is eternal, what has been his object of his eternal love? I believe that in eternity it's been Jesus Christ. But man is also an object of his love. When God created man and he made us in God's image, it was for a special reason that we could share the things that he created with him. He demonstrated that. I mean, you know, the most familiar verse that we, I think everybody knows, John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world. 
It's without measure. So loved the world that he, he didn't ask anything of us. He didn't require anything of us first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he gave first. And we're told that, you know, we love God because he first loved us. God has installed in man the ability to love. The agape love of God is provided to man through salvation. That love must be nurtured and developed. So I have a question to ask you tonight. How is your love life? Now, I'm talking about, because, you know, love covers a lot of things. But I'm talking about our relationship with God, with family, with church family, friends and neighbors. How is our love life portrayed to them? If I put a title to this message tonight, it would be Love Is. Love Is. I thought Jeremy was going to get all up in my message Sunday when he started talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's turn there. Because Paul, he was dealing with the church of Corinth. They were a carnal church. They had a, they had a lot of problems within the church of Corinth. And they were misusing a lot of the uh, gifts that God had given them through the Holy Spirit. And Paul was trying to encourage them and teach them that, hey, if you want to have anything that you do in relation to our Christian life, it needs to be governed by love. I got three points, and then we'll, like the preacher says, we'll go to his house. <laughs> you don't want us at your house. No, okay. All right. First one, first point. Love is enriching. Let's read the first three verses of chapter 13, this great love chapter that you hear so much about. And we'll break it down a little bit. It says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, and have not charity, that word charity means love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding of all, all mysteries, of all knowledge and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Verses 1 through 3 here of this chapter deals with our manner of living. So we need to take a self-examination tonight of what is our love life like? How do we relate to our spouse, our children, our church family, our neighbors? How does our love come across to them? It's enriching. To be enriched means to give more value, greater importance, effectiveness, so, verse 1, how do we articulate with others? Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Verse 2 is how do, 
How do I use my abilities? Verse 3, how do I act? So it's how do I articulate? How do I use my abilities? How do I act? I can be very eloquent of speech. I can speak like a politician. Some of y'all get that too in a little bit. I can speak like a preacher. No matter how articulate I am, if it's not governed by and motivated by love, the Bible tells us here it is unwanted sound. A clanging cymbal. Basically, it's saying I'm just a bunch of noise. If my speech is not governed by love. Again, we're trying to give value, great importance, and effectiveness to whoever we're speaking to. How about my abilities in verse 2? If my abilities do not motiv- are not motivated by love, it says here that I am useless. I am nothing. That basically, the, the thought here is that I'm a nobody. I can have all these abilities it speaks of here, prophecy, understanding, knowledge, faith. But if it's not motivated by love, then I'm really a nobody. Again, we're trying to give value to, greater importance to, and effectiveness to whoever we are devoting our love to. Whoever is the object of our love. Verse 3, if my actions are not motivated by love. It says here that I am unprofitable. So I'm useless, I'm unwanted, and unprofitable if what I say and what I do are not governed by love. I need to be enriching somebody else with my love because God enriches me with His love. Our speech should honor God It should give value to others. Our abilities, whatever God has given us the ability to do or the gifts that he has given us, need to honor God and help others and not bring them down. Our actions, what you do, speak so loud, what? Can't hear a word you say. So our actions need to show God's love to other people, and it shows our love to God. So, love is to be enriching. We need to give value and importance and and effectiveness to those who we are giving our love to or showing our love to, whether it be God, family, church family, friends, neighbors. It needs to be enriching. My second point, and I'm going to get through probably quicker than Jeremy did. (laughs) If our love is to be enriching, gives value and strength and and honor to those to to whom is the object of our love, love is also edifying. To be edified means to instruct or improve morally or spiritually, to enlighten. So the love that I'm projecting to Whoever it is, is my object of my love. It needs to be instructive. It needs to improve them morally or help them morally or spiritually to enlighten them on the things of God's word that's in his word. Let's read verses 4 and 7 through 7 here. 
Learn some things here. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Let's look back, hold your place here, go to Galatians chapter 5, and verses 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This subtopic that I have in my Bible says the Christian character is produced by the Holy Spirit, not by itself, not by self-effort. In verse 22 and 23 it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, I don't care what society you're in. These things are not unlawful. It's not unlawful to love and to, to honor somebody and to show gentleness and, and, and good faith. So if you turn back to... 1 Corinthians there. Now, I believe that the way that Paul had them listed here, you may differ from me, but I believe that they're in order of importance. And the first thing he said there, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Why? Because love is what activates and fertilizes all the other fruit that we have. All the characteristics that we can think of of love are in right here in verses 4 through 7. Here we have a list of things that love is and is not. Love suffereth long. That means, <laughs> that don't mean just because you're married you have to suffer through it. Okay, that's not what it's talking about here. It means, you know, I've been suffering my life for 50 years. No, that's not what it means. <laughs> it means to be what? Patient. Patient. Somebody called me not too long ago and said he was going through some stuff, and he, he said, uh, some tribulation. He said, well, you know, I, I really need some patience. I said, well, you know what the Bible says about patience. You know, tribulation causes patience, you know. So anyway, but no. It suffers long. It means it's patient. It vaunteth not itself. In other words, it's not boastful. It's not puffed up. It's not inflated. You know anybody with an inflated ego? I know several people, and I don't want to be around them. I don't like it. You know, you don't have to toot your own horn. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 tells us that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And when we edify somebody with our love, it's not to puff ourselves up, it's to build them up. So whether it be God, your family, your church family, your friends and neighbors. It's not seemingly, unseemingly, it behaves itself, in other words. It seeketh not her own. A good word for that is selflessness. Somebody, you're selfless. Your love should show and project selflessness. Not easily provoked. That's angered. Thinketh no evil. 
the thought here means it does not hold a grudge. You ever had anybody that you had a grudge against? That's not good. That's not good. You know, life's too short to walk around carrying a grudge. Either, either talk to that person and get it over with, you know, get to the bottom of it, or just let it go. It's too short. Thinketh no evil. That's what I just said. Doesn't hold a grudge. Doesn't celebrate immorality. Boy, we need a lot of that today. Celebrates the truth. Bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. And the thought here is that it will help you through all the phases of life that we go through. Whatever troubles we're bearing, whatever, you know, the, the beliefs that we have that don't come true or do come true, or the, you know, the hopes that we have, all the things that we endure in life, the thing that will help get us through is the love of God. The object of our love should be edified by the demonstration of our love. So if I love somebody... I need to edify them. I need to enrich them. Now, third point is this. Love enriches, love edifies, and love is enduring. That means it's lasting, permanent, and durable. doesn't fade away. So many people today are in love today and not in love tomorrow. You know, we fell out of love. I don't know. They need the love of God on them. They need that agape love that God has for us. Verses 8 through 13. Now, again, remember, Paul is dealing with an immature bunch of Christians, disobedient. They were taking the gifts that God had given them, and they were, you know, they were misusing them. 8 through 13 says this. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, what? I put away my childish things. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. It's enduring. Our abilities, the gifts that God has given us, they're just temporary. Because our life is temporary. Paul compared, again, the church of Corinth to children. They were misusing the gifts that the Holy Spirit had imparted to them and they did not appreciate it. There came a time, or there comes a time, 
when a child has to mature and act like an adult and act responsibly, and that applies to us individually as Christians, as a church, corporately, and as individuals. We need to stop acting like children. Because when I was a child, would it? I spoke as a child, acted as a child, thought as a child. But when I became an adult, it's time to put away those childish things. We need to use our talents, our gifts, our abilities wisely and responsibly because they won't last forever. And it, a lot of things that we could talk about in, this, in those verses right there, it, you know, he emphasizes too that, you know, right now we don't see everything perfectly. We see through a glass darkly, but, you know, one day we're going to see the Lord face to face. And I'll know him, he'll know me, and I'll know the other Christians that have gone on before me. We'll all meet. We'll all have a good time. We'll have eternity to enjoy each other. Amen. It's time to be spiritually mature. In verse 13, Paul says this. There are three important things that exist in our Christian lives today. Three important things. Faith, hope, and love. Now, what does faith do? Faith opens the door to salvation, does it not? By grace are you saved through what? Through faith. With faith, if we have just the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, I mean, that's tiny, but the size of, you know, into this pen right here, mustard seed, real tiny thing. Doesn't say how much faith we need to be saved, but it does say how much, what we can do with just a little bit of faith. Just that tiny little bit of faith, the Bible tells us that we can do miraculous things. We can move mountains. Faith is important. It's, it's, it's a very important in our arsenal that we have against Satan. In order to get to heaven, we must have faith. We all have faith in something. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. So faith opens the door to salvation. How about hope? Hope gives confidence to our faith. It's not a hope so salvation. If you, if you talk to people, if you witness to people, and you ask them, uh, you know, if you spend eternity, or when you die, where are you going to spend eternity, heaven or hell? I, I hope I'm going to heaven. Or, you know, the Lord's, he's gonna, he's gonna, God's going to weigh my good and my bad, and, you know, hopefully my good will outweigh my bad, and, you know, <laughs> I don't think so, you know. That's not what it's all about. Hope is a confidence, an expectation. I have an expectation of, from God. I can expect some things. He's promised some things to me in his word. He's promised them to you. To all of us who accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he has promised us some things, and that's an expectation from me. It's a confidence. Now, my faith the object of my faith is only as good as the object of my faith. Does that make sense to you? In other words, I can put my faith in governments. I can put my faith in people. I can put my faith in the monetary system and my bank account. But they can all fail. 
So the object of my faith is what's the important thing. And the object of my faith is Jesus Christ. And that's what hope is. is a confidence in what Jesus Christ said. And I know that he is going to fulfill every bit of his promise because he's got a track record that's 100%. 100%. And he cannot lie. If, if God was to lie, I think the universe would just dissolve. But he can't lie. So I'm not even going to worry about that. Faith, hope, and the last thing he says is love. So why is love the greatest? The greatest of these is love. Why is it the greatest? Why is it greater than faith? Why is it greater than hope? Because it's love that energizes faith and hope. It's the love of God that the reason we're here today. I mean, in this world, this world is here because of God's love. Now, we, sometimes I'll start dreaming or thinking or daydreaming or whatever, and I'll think, you know, what, I wonder what was here before God created man. It'll blow your circuit. In fact, I told somebody one time, you know, it, it blew my mind. You know what they said? Must have been a small explosion. You know who it was, Ronnie. I'm not going to tell you. It wasn't Ronnie, but he knows who it was. Love is what energizes faith and hope. All three of these things are important in our Christian lives. So, I ask you again, in conclusion, how is your love life? How do you reflect the love of God to others, to your friends, to your family, to your neighbors? Does it enrich the object of your love? Does it edify the object of, the love, of, your, of your love? Will it endure the things that are coming in life? You know, whoever said life was easy didn't know what they was talking about, did they? And it takes a lot of love to stand by somebody. To say a friend in need is what? Friend indeed. And there's a friend that we have that sticks closer to the brother, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the object of God's love, and we are the object of his love. I hope this has been helpful to you tonight. I've got a blank page on the next one here, so that's going to be it for tonight. But I just want to, I want to encourage you. I hope that our love, our lives portray God's love to us. I hope it's enriching and edifying and enduring. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for this opportunity to be here tonight, to be able to share your word with, with each other. I pray, Lord, that what was spoken tonight will be encouraging and edifying and enduring to all those, all of us, Lord. I know I've learned a lot just by reading, even though I've read it many, many times. We do need more love. We need more of your agape love in our lives, Lord. This world needs more of it. May we demonstrate that love to, our, to you and to our friends and to our family and our neighbors. Thank you for bringing Pastor and Mr. Stroud back home safely. And I know that their, their trip will 
do what you in, uh, sent them to do, Lord, it will, it will accomplish that which you meant for it to accomplish. Give them strength as they recover from it. Bless everybody here tonight, Lord. Give us strength as we go and the rest of this week. Encourage our lives. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.